0: Welcome to Roadmap and our latest episode. Today's podcast is Confessions of an Ex-Consultant: The Moving House. And with me today, we've got Maggie Walsh, aka Mags, one of our ex-thought workers who recently left the wonderful world of consultancy to join Art Trader. So, hey, Maggie. Hey. So we're going to start, Maggie. How long has it now been since you uh, you joined Art Trader from uh, from the world of consultancy?
1: Uh, coming up on two years this summer, so August. I joined August twenty one, so kind of in a semi post pandemic era. Wow,
0: wow, that's gone fast. But we're not going to talk about your move into Art Trader straight away. So just going way back, like pre pre Art Trader, even before you considered moving into uh, into in house. How did you get into product consultancy?
1: I was working for an academic publisher down in Oxford. Recently moved from the states, um, and I was engaged on a project that was using consultants like consultancy being ThoughtWorks um I'd been with my publisher for nine years and uh they were just a breath of fresh air like they just were doing things differently and really collaboratively and creative and you know I was mystified by all the post-its on the wall and okay. <laughs> all those things that come with that um and so yeah I decided to jump ship Wow. Uh, as to say and yeah and just completely dived headfirst into consultancy having never consulted before wow and that was in
0: the uk was it
1: it was in the uk i did a little bit of ping pong i actually joined a consultancy in new york city um did that for a year and then came back over and uh started my life here in manchester wow
0: and whereabouts, from, just before we move on, whereabouts in the States are you from?
1: I am from the Sunshine State, Florida. Wow. Um,
0: yeah. So are you finding the weather in Manchester compared to Florida?
1: Most common question that I get asked, <laughs> I swear, honestly. Um, yeah, it's different. Um, yeah, it makes you appreciate the sunny days. Yeah, I bet.
0: <laughs> so going back into consultancy world, I bet you've got many a tale about trials and tribulations of life as a consultant, especially when you're going in and picking up somebody else's piece of work. So... I'm really interested in that. Like, how how when you go in onto a mid-flight product, pick somebody else's piece of work up. How do you do that? In like a should we say kindly?
1: Yeah, I, as a consultant, you you tend to either come in at the beginning of something big, or maybe when something isn't going so well. Um, Uh, I I think the biggest thing is to really listen to people's stories um, because the people that you're engaging with at that organization have lived through what what you're currently encountering. So I think you can really be their friends and and kind of hear all the different sides of the story and then then you really start to peel away what you can add to that project or that product. Uh, um, So it's really about making the relationships with the people around you first. And then starting to get opinionated. I think there's a phrase, it probably you'll hear this everywhere, which is strong opinions loosely held. And so you've got to take the time in the beginning to to, to form your opinions, but, but really be comfortable sharing those with yeah. with the client.
0: Was that something that you got taught or is that something like trial and error? You just, you found that was the, the way to approach it?
1: Not necessarily taught, but... I, 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 it, I think I, it was part of my style anyway. When I was was in house for the for the nine years, I really understood that to get anything done in product, you really were as strong as the relationships you had around you with so customer service, the sales team. Um, but there is an emphasis when you go into consulting around consulting skills, and so there is support for you there. Um, but generally, you look at other consultants and and, and model their behaviour when you when you can see people really making an impact. Yeah. Um,
0: and without like going into breaking any confidences, have you had any absolute shockers when you've been in the consultancy world where things have just not gone gotten to plan when you're trying to take something over?
1: Well, usually when you go in, the client generally has a sense of what they think the answer to their question is. And so there's times where we are even breaking down that they're asking the wrong question and that can be pretty like earth-shaking to them. So I have had some shockers that, um had a client here in Manchester, um, small business, um, but getting bigger. And they just thought the answer to, you know, all of their dreams was going to be a fancy technology, you you know, your blockchains, your generative AI. And we came in and and realized that there was things that just needed to be, you know, the plumbing wasn't working and the roof had holes in it. So, and it wasn't what they wanted to hear. Um, It really wasn't what they wanted to hear. And sometimes it meant you didn't continue on with them because, you wouldn't just go ahead and implement what they told you to, at least yeah. at the consultancy I worked at. And so it can lead to some difficult conversations. Um, and usually you still have an ally in on the inside who who has the same opinion as you. And if you can get their voice heard and, and be sort of an amplification of that, then you can then you can work through those tough spots. Yeah. But it doesn't always it doesn't always work out.
0: Oh, okay. So then thinking about then the different mindsets of picking up a product mid cycle or Picking up something absolutely brand new. Have you got a preference of what kind of assignment you get? Uh,
1: I love the excitement of a new project. Wow. Um, but I wouldn't say I have a preference. It's like choosing between your children if I had children. But um, I do love the excitement of something new. But there's a there's a lot of ambiguity at that stage. So yeah. you have to be comfortable with it being really ambiguous and really not knowing what the path forward looks like until you kind of have... There is there is joy in the mid-cycle and the kind of continuous improvement. You're usually with quite a well-formed team. Yeah. You're solving problems. You're getting feedback. So I think there's... I think there's there's bright spots on both sides. Um, yeah. But it is hard to kind of capture the joy of just getting a bunch of people in the room and solving a big problem yeah. and that camaraderie. So maybe, maybe, after I said I don't have a preference, and maybe have a little bit of a preference towards the uh, discovery and new yeah. stuff. See, I, I
0: really struggle with that. I, I Personally, I really like the going in mid-cycle. But I think I've realised when you were talking there is I just, I, I don't like the ambiguity. I like knowing what I'm dealing with straight away. Um and maybe that's like different mindset, different skills. So do you see like there is a different mindset that you have to apply if you're picking up something new versus picking up something mid-cycle and iterate, or even sunsetting? Is it different skills you use?
1: I think probably all product managers have uh, different levels of the same skills and, and they may sort of excel at the discovery bet with they're comfortable with the ambiguity. I do think... During mid-cycle, you're really sort of, you're kind of cooking on gas, you're listening and, and you really are kind of tapping into the relationships outside your product team. So I think you have to be really great at, at relationships, really great kind of uh, getting kind of your stakeholders aligned to your vision, whereas in the discovery stage, you really have to be creative and you're into kind of complex, wicked problem solving. So you're turning yeah. on almost just a different part of your brain in that um yeah, so, yeah, I think I think there's different kind of things you lean into. And some people might have a preference for that as product managers or they may excel at one thing rather than the other. And then yeah. you have your kind of generalists.
0: Yeah. And thinking about going back into that, the relationships. So especially when you're thinking in, in auto trade or like thinking in-house rather than consultancy. How do you deal with the sort of the the relationships with maybe someone who previously brought that product to life and then you're then going in and changing it or taking it to the next level how do you navigate that tightrope
1: it can be nerve-wracking especially joining a new organization and then picking up a a mature product or something that's been around for a long time that person who was involved in it or multiple people um who were involved of it over time they're really an asset to you because they're essentially your your own little personal Wikipedia about your project. I think the balance is that we already tried that in this. And I'm speaking just generally across my entire career is that, oh, we already tried that, but generally these things come back in cycles. Yeah. And so, I think there's a great sort of pool of ideas and we already tried that, that maybe it wasn't the right time or maybe we didn't have the right kind of circumstances or team or the market was in a different position. So I think you have to kind of, you really need to make sure that person is is, is there for you to kind of provide knowledge and um, build that relationship so that they know that you've got it, like yeah. you've got it in hand and, and that just takes time um, and I think that's where the listening comes in. You don't come out the gate and say, oh god why did you do that <laughs> oh, why would you even think that even if you do even if you think that I, I, that that's one to just stay in the the inner dialogue and yeah. then after you've got that rapport and trust with that person you can kind of say well, well can you you know what what made you lead you know the team in that direction or what, what what was you thinking at the time maybe there's something you you didn't know maybe yeah. there was a concept context that um you don't have
0: yeah. yeah and is it like taking over somebody else's child like picking up Something that they've put loads of investment in, and then you are basically you're trying to then get it to the next level of maturity. Is that yeah. what it feels like?
1: It definitely it feels like you're in someone else's house. Like maybe you're in someone else's house oh, and you're yeah, doing yeah. the interior decorating, like and they they've put a lot of work into that. um Yeah, you yeah. don't
0: need to go, go go in and start criticizing the wallpaper. Oh yeah, people are really
1: sensitive about the decorations of the house, aren't they? Yeah, so going in and telling them you don't like the wallpaper is probably not the, <laughs> not the first thing that you do. Um, yeah, it, I think it can be really, ner- yeah, like I said, it's nerve wracking, especially when you're new to an organization because you are trying to get. Enough knowledge about the industry that you're now in, in consulting, that's your superpower. Yeah. Is that you have essentially no, you don't you're not been steeped in in their industry for so long, so you, you see things in a in a different way. You bring that kind of outside perspective. But I think when you're coming into a new organization that you know you're going to spend a lot of time in, you're kind of doing both. You want you want to bring that outside perspective, yeah. but y- you definitely want to listen to kind of what's happened before you came and you might find some immediate things that you think you can do and those people who looked after it for you go yeah I always wanted to do that and they can really be a, a great cheerleader for yeah. you but you do come across people that you generally will just repeat we already tried that and yeah. and you have to break that down you really you, I was gonna say how yeah. would
0: how you navigate it how do you navigate it when it's like oh we've tried that forget that we've tried that how, yeah that, that is a different difficult uh like path to follow isn't it
1: yeah there's little tricks like the yes and trick um which no, is a no, way no but yeah well no but is the opposite of yes yeah, and yeah. um uh, yes I think you you sort of you try to kind of um, tease out of them why they have sort of a dissenting opinion to trying it again you know yeah. and you you maybe go at it from a what's the cost of not doing it what's the cost of doing it and I think that's a way to sort of break it down. To say, why not try again? Or yeah. um, we know this now. And I think it's, it's in layers, right? It, it, you're not going to go into a room and suddenly be like, oh, you've changed my mind. It, it happens over time. And sometimes the magical thing happens where they come to you as if it's their idea. And then you know you've done a good job. Yeah. So it, it's not always in consultancy or even in product management taking credit for, for kind of the influence you're doing. It's just getting everybody on the same page in the direction yeah. that you're going.
0: So we talked a little bit like that mid-cycle, but what about then probably the thing that we don't talk about is when you retire or sunset a product. Maybe it isn't just going the the way it was intended or something superseded. How do you deal with that type of product?
1: Probably the toughest. Um, I always say to product managers that I work with or um, have coached in the past, um, did not get attached. It's really hard to say that right. We spend, <laughs> yeah. we spend a ton of hours at work, um, but you have to be willing to kill your ideas. Oof. You really, and, and I guess I'd like to see it more as a rebirth if we're going yeah, with yeah. the kind of, you know, <laughs> sort of very attached view of it. it. It's becoming something else or you've gotten something out of it that you needed. You've learned something that you didn't know when you started out. It hurts, but I think it's such a gift to you to actually make those hard decisions yeah. because I've seen the opposite. where You hang on to something yeah, and it yeah. shouldn't be there and it, it really becomes just it drags kind of yeah. your, your product down or it, it doesn't give you your users the experience that it should have because somebody's not afraid to just make that that super yeah. hard decision so yeah because it's not
0: just the if I was thinking like experience I've had it's not just the say the product manager that's been leading it It might be the whole the tech lead the whole dev, dev team behind it. they put hours and hours and hours in and then all of a sudden it's it's gone so how do you deal with like the wider, not just the your own emotion and the emotions of, say, the, the product manager, but actually the whole team that you are going to sunset and retire all their hard work?
1: There's something we do here that I've found really helpful for this problem, which is it, and it, you have to go back in time, basically, at the beginning of the generation of your product to be set out principles and things we want to learn. And those are the things that are going to help you when it's time to make the hard decision because they're essentially anchors for you to say, we're not going to continue with this because yeah. look at what we thought it was going to do. It hasn't, or look at what we set out and said, you know, these are the principles around this. We you know we're not able to kind of live up to those based on kind of the current climate. So I think it, you should do yourself a favor, even mid cycle and just have a sense around your purpose. It, are you trying to learn something right now? Um, you know, what is the, the product for, what are the principles that you've described to? And then when you have to make a decision about, sunsetting so a feature or you know an entire product you have that to lean back on so, yeah. y- so you can bring the people around you along and, and and really show your work when it comes to decision making it's definitely not the time to just come in the room and say i'm the product manager and you know i make the hard decisions <laughs> and it's it's done is
0: that where you put your big boots on yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah it's probably not going to it's probably not going to win you much kind of support. So I think it's it's taking people along for the journey. Yeah. Um although recently I've had an interesting one came up where people actually had sort of a goodbye party. <laughs> Really? Yeah, so, so something that, a feature uh, that was going to go away because it was, you know, cross-collaboration between partners and and internal teams, just having a little sort of farewell and, and right. thanks. A little, little, uh, uh, little funeral. Yeah, yeah, either coffee and cake or whatever kind of yeah. suits your fancy. I like that, the, yeah. the
0: feature wake.
1: Yes, the feature wake, yeah. Oh, we've yeah. just created that here. Yeah. God, <laughs> Excellent.
0: But you talked about also like the, the potential, the rebirth, where you're retiring or something for then opening the gate for something to like a phoenix born from the ashes so again like how do you approach where you know that maybe now is not the right time but something new will be out of the the negativity or the negative feelings of retiring something something new will will come in the future
1: yeah so if you're going to retire something and not do something immediately I sort of I I use this phrase in my team called the ice box so it's kind of it's where we put ideas that aren't ready to go anywhere or maybe they've been put into the icebox because which rather than saying they've been binned or you know
0: uh, is it it cryogenically (laughs) frozen frozen. like tom cruise in vanilla sky
1: yeah yeah pretty much that's where all my features are (laughs) um and i think you leave them there and make sure that you return to that every so often because if you find yourself stuck there's usually you've had an idea in the past that maybe get it get you out of where you are now um yeah it's it's hard when you sort of have to say goodbye to something but you know that maybe it's not forever or yeah. you, you know it served its purpose i would say if you aren't putting things in the icebox or you aren't having your feature wakes it's probably a sign that you something's going on that's yeah, not quite right yeah yeah i think if you, if you aren't saying goodbye to things and really holding on to things like that, that should be a really common part uh, of your kind of cycle in product right. management it's not daily or weekly or even monthly but yeah you should be uh, looking back on the things that you said so it, you weren't going to do.
0: Right. So it's a bit like me stuck in the 90s in my wardrobe. You need to keep <laughs> you, you keep, keep refreshing now and again.
1: I just think that's sustainable, you now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so going back into your experience in art traders, so you came in two years ago, picked up a whole domain area, private selling, where you've got products in in inception things that are super mature and revenue generating and other things that needed like a TLC so how have you found it thinking now in-house how have you found that experience especially because you may be sat next to a colleague who's spent like maybe their whole career working in that particular area and then um yeah, you know, quite. You're going with your big boots stamping all over it.
1: Quite a few people have been through my product area, um, so I've got a lot of um, you know personal Wikipedia's yeah. around what's been done. Um, it's a very friendly area, I would say. It, it's been an asset to me joining Trader and, and looking after a product that's been around for quite a long time, um, because it's a really great way to get to know the organisation. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't in that room you know in the discovery period with a lot of ideas it, it, everybody had involvement in it it's got well-established customer service team and um, you know people who've worked on in the past previous tech leads so it was a really great way for me to get to know how the organization works and get to know the people around it yeah um people are invested in it in a way even though it's it, you know it's kind of running over like nice and smoothly um uh not part of kind of our sort of main core business, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been good and I had to practice the listening on that because right. um, I was coming into a product that was revenue generating commercial product um, and just listen to what was going on around me, uh, find out kind of what the team had been up to last. Uh, we had a kind of new journey that we had in the icebox, I would say, yeah. that we really wanted to get going. And so there was something there for me that rather than having to come in with the big ideas, or I could just kind of uh, get situated, get settled by bringing something yeah. that was a good idea um, that just hadn't, you know, b- been prioritized yet. So um, it's been quite a smooth entry, I think. And yeah. I'm really thankful for taking on something that was... Yeah, it was, I was going to yeah. ask, is
0: that like, I haven't thought about this, but like bringing... So obviously we get new people into organisation. Is that the sort of the perfect path in? Something established, not quite maintenance mode, something where there is change, where you can get a fresh perspective?
1: I think so. I would say so. My answer today is yes. This is, this is an industry that is dual-sided. Uh, so there's a lot to get to know. Um, as a consultant, I'm usually thrown or was thrown into things and just expected to kind of get the context as fast as possible. So I did have to remind myself like after, you know, four to six weeks that I wasn't expected to like produce some sort of giant product strategy. So I think it was ideal to get to know the business, um, not only the relation, establishing the relationships, but getting to know Autotrader yeah. in a depth that you're never able to as a consultant yeah. because you're usually maximum spending maybe 12 months in an industry before moving on to another one and, and usually much less time than that so yeah. i think taking on sort of something mature and mid-cycle is is a really generous way um for the people who plan your onboarding um you know to allow you to join that organization
0: yeah. and was there a point uh, like, i think you, you alluded to it, where you were like not itchy feet but going do i need to demonstrate my value here yeah where you were like consciously trying to go i need to i really need to listen
1: it took me months to realize I wasn't still a consultant, like it, even though I knew I had left consultancy like i I just I had onboarded onto so many projects, like your mind's sort of like, okay, you know n- you know pretty soon you'll be rolling off and going onto a new yeah. project and I was like, oh wait no i I've, I've actually left consultancy this is this is my home now which is which is one of the reasons i I left consultancy, yeah. yeah, I wanted to spend more time with a with a product and an industry and a domain and really get to know it But, yeah I, I had to. I had to suppress a bit of that, but also let it shine through because it's still a secret weapon, having yeah. that outside perspective and I feel like I got to do some fun things with people who had been with the product for quite a long time, like a little bit back to basics, but you know I was doing sort of you know canvases and 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 there's sort of more consulty type workshop things where people who had been around the product for a long time so i I feel like I was able to bring that as they helped me on board by doing those activities but it allowed them to sort of take a step back and yeah. say what is really going on with this yeah what are kind of the biggest problems that we're facing or the the biggest opportunities that we have
0: so with your superpower obviously coming in house how do you think you're going to keep that superpower going because i i totally understand i had a bit of consultancy and background but we were on the slower moving because it's more yeah. on the like ba systems and big big like blue chip company stuff and then when I came in, I again I was on projects for a, a number of cycles, and now I'm pro, proper like, you know what I mean? I don't know how to do for left door trader, but how do you keep that sort of that outside perspective, whilst having the inside? Is the is the thing people you speak to, conferences you go, what? How do you keep fresh still?
1: You have to stay really curious. Um, I think surrounding yourself with other product managers, you know outside of the domain is helpful as well, going to meetups and in kind of interacting with people, solving different problems in different spaces. But it is hard because it's both the thing that I wanted, which is to be able to find a home, a really nice home to get to know a product. But also I know that it's it's a really powerful thing to to bring that, that I would say, more of a curious mindset than a consultant mindset. Yeah. So I think just being really curious about what you're actually there to do um, and making sure you use kind of your really strong basic tools that you have around principles and and really identifying the problem and 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 always going back to that rather than sort of just kind of saying oh if you hear yourself say we've already tried that then you know you need to sort of go on a little bit of a a journey of self-discovery to get yourself back to that curious that curious space yeah
0: and whilst being at AT have you had any chances to to do any like visits or you know tie it with different industries to try and get underneath like how they're tackling similar or different problems to get a bit of either inspiration or, you know, bouncing ideas off.
1: Yeah, I've been to a few, few big conferences now that we can go to them again and the kind of uh, back to face-to-face. Uh, but the smaller meetups in Manchester, which I've just been to one last week, um, are really great because it's little quick, true stories from product, I think, are the, the most beneficial things. It, it's not the theoretical or... Um it's really hearing about people's work. Um so yeah, there's quite there's quite a few good meetups um in a really great Manchester product community um to kinda link into here. Yeah. Super thankful for that. Um but yeah, I think just you keep reading and listening and um yeah, going to these things and meeting up with other people who are doing the type of work you're doing, but maybe in a different space. Yeah.
0: And if you could wind back time like, like yeah, no, we can't, but <laughs> if you're thinking about maybe younger Maggie um whether it be in your product career or whether it was joining art trade? Are there things that you'd be, like hints and tips, thinking things differently or would you approach things differently now?
1: Um, it's I started out copywriting, so I, w- I would say um, I was blessed with being kind of given quite a lot of feedback as a young professional. So I think I would say as a tip, like develop that, that skin, like develop that skin that... Feedback as a gift and feedback on your product or your ideas and thinking will only make it stronger. Yeah. Um. So I think I would say like, this is not so much advice, but kind of carry that with you. I would say to like my younger self, but I I think it would more be around. You know, don't feel so much pressure to prove yourself in the early days. Yeah. Um. And and really, kind of listen to people's stories and and the pains that they have and their role and 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 kind of that can be more powerful than coming in with a big idea and. Or, or something sort of, you know, I don't know, jarring or controversial. I don't think you need to be contrary to be a good product manager. So I think yeah. I would say to my, my younger self, like, you know, don't worry too much in those beginning days. Yeah. Um, and what yeah. about the <laughs>
0: emotional attachment? Because that's something that I I, I fall down this But I get emotionally attached to everything. Um, and then when it's taken away, it's like, oh, uh what about the emotional attachment so especially when you're putting loads of investment how do you avoid that sort of pitfall of getting too attached because I think thinking about your consultancy life is 12 months is quite a short cycle so obviously that forces you into never getting too getting deep but not getting too deep that you would you know be be really upset about leaving a particular industry or project and going something else how do you how do you deal with that
1: yeah, I, I think having the f- the feedback early in my career helped me not form attachments to the products or the features that I developed because I, I I think as if you're always gathering feedback, you know that things will change. Yeah. Um, I would say if you feel an emotional kind of reaction to change related to something you've taken care of, like you have to sort of explore where that feeling's coming from. Yeah. Um, rather than sort of resist the change, but sort of kind of have a little bit of time to yourself to think like what is it actually I'm fearful of in this situation um am i fearful that my hard work won't be recognized because I've killed this feature um i think it goes towards you humility that you have to embrace at that point and say this was the right decision when i made it but i know now that it isn't right now and that's super powerful yeah it's super powerful to be able to say i don't know the answer and also i didn't get it right yeah and i think as young people were sort of told to fake it till we make it, which might mean that too often we're saying, Oh yeah, I've got it. But I just think it's really powerful when you're interacting with people that maybe, you know, perceived, you know, higher than you or in in leadership to just talk about when you don't know or ask those questions or, or say when you got it wrong. Yeah. Um, because it's not going to hurt you, really. I think it's just going to help you grow, and and maybe it, d- it does help you with those attachments to know that it's okay to say that. Yeah. If it's not okay and you don't have that psychological safety, then maybe you end up being a bit more attached than yeah. than is. Than and have you
0: seen it? I mean, we we had did that road trip to Birkenhead that time. Yeah. No, random, um, and we were talking about like previous experiences. And one without that like, naming names of people, but we were talking about one of your previous lives around. I think it was one of your colleagues got really emotionally attached and actually had probably gone past the duration and was really struggling to to get perspective. So how how'd you how'd you help people when they get because it is, you know, if you go too deep, it is a hard one. How would you help people pull back?
1: I think you you have to do a bit of coaching there, but I think you also have to make evidence led decisions. So Obviously, there's an attachment there, but you have tools at your disposal, which is feedback from your users and, and the people who are interacting with your product. Yeah. So, if, if you if you let yourself be evidence you know, led by kind of what you're hearing and the strategy, then you're able to sort of break down why that might not be the right direction. Yeah. I think there's also, I talked about this earlier, but the cost of not doing something can be really great sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely had it. I've had people attached to names of products um, that just didn't make sense from a user's perspective, and it, that's not just in the product world. That's you know the people who are selling that product, and it's it's an influencing exercise um, that you have to bring them along. But yeah, I would say don't go and say this is happening because I said so. <laughs> um, I think you sort of talk to them about why it's a good decision, and also leave the door leave the door open to return back yeah every change is in in to a certain extent is reversible yeah so you know you you, saying goodbye to something maybe doesn't mean you're saying goodbye to it (laughs) forever so i think maybe that sort of kind of guiding them through that there's not a finality to it that maybe they're quite fearful of so
0: i'm thinking again going back to your consultant's life it was 12 months then and then you rolled on um do you think there is like a time like a shelf life on a particular domain or area or is it or is that is that just things that people make up because I don't know whether it's for tax reasons that it's 12 months with consultancy but the, it no. seems to the frequency is really high whereas obviously moving in-house like it's a lot s- slower in terms of moving around is there a do you think there's a perfect time
1: speaking from the product Perspective. I, I, I think it's in the interest of the consultancies to, to cycle you through because you get more experience in different right. industries. But I think there's also nature of product work and consultancy where you're usually going in to kind of inject life into something or coach a product team. And so your purpose is essentially to, to make yourself obsolete like and so you've been successful when you've done that right it's very rare that you have consultant product managers going in as proxy sort of product owners so i think for product managers it's quite a good cycle length um i don't feel the same about being in-house because that's why you come here you come here to develop that depth of knowledge about the domain and industry and so you do need to kind of keep your craft sharp through the things we talked about, like going to meetups and and, re- and continuing to read and kind of understand what's going on. But yeah, I wouldn't say that there's, you know, a shelf life. I was in academic publishing for nine years. I learned a lot of things over those nine yeah. years and that industry changed. That's the thing. You may not change your role, but your industry will change. Yeah. Um. So you change with it in that sense. So it's not like you're becoming stale or stagnant.
0: Yeah. And again, flipping back into auto trader in the last two years, it doesn't feel like even though you've been on the the private selling domain, like consumers selling their vehicles, it feels like even in the two years being on that, there's been a lot of change.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely around kind of the industry, like um, the kind of factors around people getting rid of their current car have, have, have kind of changed. Um, so we've had to roll with that and, and think about, you know, what's most important for people who, who do. And we've got cost of living crisis. People, you know, really care about getting the yes. most. So I think, yeah, it, it's, well, it's been a mature product. We've had to adapt to some very sort of recent and timely kind of factors in the market as well as with competitors. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think you're never going to be able to just kind of really just sit in the chair and kind of turn the wheel. No, but it's <laughs> interesting
0: because I always thought, oh, that we, we re-platformed polar, as we call it we re-platformed pol and then re-platformed it again so i, I just found it when you came in i was like oh maggie's going into private selling like it's pretty stable but yeah it was when i then started working with you realized that how even in a really mature domain space things are always changing and evolving and how even in that two years you probably say the career or the job the job you joined as is probably very different now 12 24 months on than it was the day you started
1: yeah definitely I think more and more I'm looking after some a big task that our users consumers need to do which is get rid of that asset and so that that could be done by one of our products which is the private selling product but you know looking at other ways that people do that and making sure it's as smooth as possible so i think more and more my roles become less of kind of owning individual products that are very sort of attached to kind of a name and and more owning a problem space for our consumers and that is my preference because i think you know problems and things that your consumers need to do are long lasting the way in which you help those consumers solve that problem change over time and so this helps with your attachment question you can attach yourself to the problem that you need to solve but not the actual things and interventions that you're doing to solve it and that that helps you kind of bring you back um and opens up the space for you to introduce new things yeah
0: and rolling forward now thinking over the next 12 24 months whatever it might be what what's on the horizon or trader wise that you're really excited about whether it be new people joining the business new features new products that maybe we haven't even thought about yet What's uh, what's keeping you sort of super fresh?
1: Um, Without giving too much away, we're kind of cooking up some what we call trials of pilots, which is super exciting to really take the mindset to do something small, to learn something. So I'm really excited about something that we have coming over the summer where we're going to be experimenting with ways that we can kind of facilitate the kind of Uh, selling of a consumer's vehicle um and so yeah i'm quite excited about kind of the cycle that we've gotten into where we're building things small to create maximum impact and then kind of moving on from there so both in the way that the team is working and the things that we're producing i think is really exciting over the next 12 months um and and really we're going to after that dive into kind of really deeper into kind of um you know, the way that part exchanges flow through our ecosystem. Cause it's a problem that sits in my area, but it, you know, it affects both people who are trying to trade in their vehicle and also the retailer that's taking in that car. So I'm really excited about this sort of earlier stage, more, you know, kind of discovery, yeah. ambiguous space. Like what could we do? All options are open to us. Like let's really explore yeah. how we kind of pick away at that problem. So I feel like the team and the team of product managers I work with in the tech team are just really in a good mind, um, in a mind space that like they're kind of chipping away at things and really thinking yeah. about it iteratively and did,
0: did you get a chance to do again it's probably my experience of consultancy you didn't get a chance to really try things out and fail fast because everything was very very controlled was that something you had an opportunity to do in consultancy world or is this like is this pretty new to you being able to just try things
1: I did and I didn't like some strangely I was able to do this at NHS which you would think like out of all yeah, of the w- yeah, uh, yeah. ones that that would be the yeah. one that moved quite slowly um we we were on a team that was re- we had great stakeholders that were really open to letting us solve problems in different ways um and yeah I got to do that a bit sometimes like what I talked about when they've got the solution in their minds it's much harder to do that because they're like well it, it gets more waterfall, doesn't it? And, yeah. and it, really our job was to try to find a thin slice um, across a very large thing that they wanted to do. So I have been able to do it and generally it was my job in consultancy to try to push that mindset. Yeah. So it's really nice to be here and be able to kind of, you know, walk the walk um, with the team here at Auditorio. Yeah. So.
0: so you said about stakeholders because like, I was surprised, like, I worked in the NHS and it, I loved it, but it was, again, it was it was very slow moving to get implementations done. And that wasn't like due to NHS, it was just lots of like layers you'd need to go through. So how did you manage to within your NHS consultancy, get to, you know, experiment and run things fast?
1: I don't think they'd let us call it an experiment. Oh, I would right. say, <laughs> say that. Um, we were allowed to say thin slice, uh, right. first slice. Um, I was standing on the shoulders of giants to be fair. Like it's it still, NHS years are kind of like cat ears, aren't they? Like we re- <laughs> like reverse cat ears. Like things still moved at a slower pace than you might see at a startup, but we were, um, yeah, we were able to kind of bring them along for the journey. They they also had no idea what the solution was, really. Right. They were kind of like, that's your expertise. We're yeah. experts in the policy and the way things work. So I think they gave us the space to come up with those ideas, um, and we were able to, to put something in place that I don't think we would have thought was the answer, that first kind of team that was doing the discovery. I came in mid-project on that one yeah, um, and was able to kind of put some shape around it and, and, and see it through to that next stage. So... Um, yeah, I think it's sometimes you get lucky with with your your stakeholders yeah. sometimes it is that and and you have to do the work, but sometimes it's a bit easier because you have people who have a really open mind, and I think the people there really they wanted to solve the problem that yeah. is what they cared most about because yeah. it was affecting the actual you know people <laughs> um so so yeah. It,
0: yeah so so is that why you found it again, going back to Art trader, do you find it easier to push these things forward because? everybody's in that mindset because I know everybody is but like the key people are in the same mindset as you or that you've got full and the tech team have got full you know control over what you do what what is it that makes it easier
1: I think there's elements on both sides I think there's some things that make it harder which is that when you are managing a product that your team can actually interact with so every you know majority of my team own cars So, they can sometimes put them, they can empathize with the people using our product, and that can be great, but it could also be (laughs) a real issue, right? Because you're only thinking about your own needs, um, and obviously you're a sample of one. So, I think we've got great empathy for the people going through, but I think more and more we're talking about uh, sort of our kind of core values around. Quality over quantity and making sure that we're always thinking how can we make this a bit smaller with maximum impact so I think it's more in our ways of working yeah. than anything but yeah you have to be careful in empathy because because you can get people say "Well, oh, when no, I sold mine and, and then, <laughs> oh my god and it, I say that all the time yeah when somebody says that I usually sort of go you know and. I think I
0: use the same story from about six years ago
1: yeah yeah I, I I when I was in consulting I sometimes found it so much easier to manage or do a product strategy for something I had no idea like I was in like science hardwares mi- you know middleware <laughs> and it, it was it was a lot better because I wasn't a you know spectroscopists or whatever it was um sometimes when you're managing a product that is something that you would yourself interact with um you really have to compartmentalize your own bias yeah um and you have to lead your team in doing that as well so when anyone says well if i i go okay we're going to set that aside let's start the conversation over again um you know what do we know about um our, our core users what are the most important jobs that we need to solve for them um and so, yeah, that's a bit of a tough side with them. Yeah,
0: you said something earlier, and it just made me think about. You know, we talked about like I always say, like the product, someone's baby. So, even though you managed to like not get emotionally connected, stuff is the things where you look back at your career, and there's products that have that have now out in the industry or come to life, and you see them. Is have you got any examples where you know things like I worked on that, and you go, and you can point at it, and you you do have that sort of like a little bit like an uncle or auntie looking at the the nephew and niece that are now growing up
1: definitely and and this has happened this week so the project that I worked on in NHS with ThoughtWorks has has just released another um phase uh, and so it, it's out on kind of the interwebs um and it, we we used to call people who worked on the projects who maybe didn't see it through alumni essentially so there was a real recognition that you were a part of that story yeah Um, so that's just happened this week and then my product I worked on in publishing is still out there Um. I've just gone back and looked at it and actually used the old way back machine to kind of go through my own journey of of what it looked like in 2008 versus what it looks like today so yeah I'm definitely I feel pride for those things and I'm thankful for what they taught me um, and it's it's nice to see them pop up. Yeah. I think it's good to kind of look back and acknowledge the things that you worked on. And even if you were kind of a small part or you were there for a few months, um, you're definitely part of that story.
0: Yeah. I do like the idea of the alumni of a particular area. So we could join up on the private salon. I mean, I was only for a little bit, but it's a nice way of thinking about it that you do have then, like we've talked about the feature wake. Yes. And now the um, product alumni. So is that yeah. something... Do you find like, again, going back to Autotrader, you picked up Private selling, and you probably knew the immediate team that works on it. Have you found that then other people have gravitated to AI worked on it N years ago? Oh yeah, Yeah. definitely.
1: Definitely. Yeah. A a lot of people actually, because it's been around for quite a long time. I think it, you know, it's part of the first wave of digitization at Autotrader. So um, it's had quite a lot of people who's still around today, but working on different Different products, yeah. um, or completely different areas. So yeah, they do come back, um, and, and, and very fondly. I think people are quite fond of my area, which is nice. You want to be yeah. kind of product that people think fondly of. But yeah, I definitely have people come through say that they you know they they watch they watch it from afar but um, yeah it's a good thing to remember now just sitting here on on the sofa that w- one thing we used to do in consulting internally is when something went live whether it was a feature or a full product we would send essentially a kind of a, a, a an email round saying this is what it is. This is a team, but we would always have a space at the bottom that said these are the alumni that worked on this. Although for for my product here at Autotrader it would be like the whole (laughs) like rest (laughs) of the email. It would
0: be actually about 250 people. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, yeah, it's good to kind of recognize their contributions. Um, We wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have the people that came before and made hard decisions and, you know, did all the things to get it to where it is.
0: Yeah, I know that's that's two things I think going to bring into my vocabulary. The feature the feature wake and the uh, product alumni um, no that's great well we're actually coming out, running out of time I could absolutely crack wow. on just asking you loads of other questions and tapping into your Floridian brain but um, yeah we're coming to the end of this episode and I'm absolutely gagging for a brew um, <laughs> so high five to you Maggie thanks for taking the time out and coming and sit off in on this really comfy couch and cheers to the listeners for listening and hopefully you'll be tuning in for our next episode laters